Yo, welcome back to another episode of the Zay Coleman Podcast. It's your boy, Mr. ZCP from the 863, a.k.a. Mr. Zay Coleman, a.k.a. Polk County's number one podcaster. God, it's been a minute. I think I probably messed up the intro two or three times before I finally got a good recording in. Um, but uh, this, the reason we haven't dropped any episodes, admittedly, it's that time of year. I'm going to be honest with you. And no, I'm not talking Christmas. If you are a hardcore NBA fan, you have those times where the season just doesn't feel fun. Especially double that for me as a content creator. Admittedly, like I'm still watching basketball five, six days a week, but it's it's difficult, I'm gonna be honest with you, to keep up hundred percent of the time, you know, on court news, off court news, got breaking news to break uh that we'll cover in today's episode actually. Um it's been extremely difficult to try to to mask that, and mentally, I just haven't been able to to keep up. I would say keep up. Like I said, I'm I'm still keeping up, but it's it's been mentally exhausting trying to cover. So, finally, back to the podcast. Finally, back. I know I got a lot of people messaging me saying that you know, like they missed the show and they oh, can't wait till I come back. I did promise that I was going to bring y'all content this week tomorrow i am free so we'll get we'll get your makeup episodes we're trying to get to february 14th i promise we're going to get to february 14th to hit 200 episodes so we're going to get two episodes today you're getting one episode tomorrow and you're getting two episodes on friday which you're going to see you're supposed to get two episodes on friday anyway because pog pod on friday and you know that's my my christmas gift to y'all so my i got a little surprise clipped up just for y'all because i know you know like i said y'all been y'all been fishing for content so i'm gonna i'm gonna fish y'all i'm gonna i'm gonna catch some content for y'all specifically for friday intended to be listened to on saturday again this is why i I didn't want to do a christmas episode because i did not want to uh have y'all listening to a podcast on friday or sorry on sunday good and well knowing y'all gonna be watching basketball all day sunday so at least I hope so. For me, watch some basketball on Sunday. But um, what was I going to get to? Um, but yeah, uh, content. Like I said, we're gonna I'm gonna be dropping a a lengthy episode on Friday. But I think it's gonna be it's gonna be worth it for sure because I think y'all deserve the absolute dopest content imaginable, and hopefully I can get those um. Get those, get like I said, get the, the the important content out for y'all. So now that we got that out the way, basketball. Um, not a terrible amount of news has come out in the last. Um, besides earlier, we just got the the breaking news um, about the Suns, who we'll get to. Um, but outside that, not a crazy, a whole lot of crazy off the court stuff that's going on. Um. Since the last episode of the podcast, trade season has officially opened up December 15th. Um, every contract in the NBA is eligible to be traded, except for rookie extensions. I should point that out. Um, I'm going to be making an episode um, later. To, actually, it comes out. It's going to be coming out uh, later today, actually. Um, one trade target. or I said one trade target. One trade asset for NBA team. One NBA team, and then tomorrow I'm going to come up with a one trade acquisition for every NBA team. So basically, 
like for example, I have for the Miami Heat as a trade asset, Duncan Robinson's contract. I know is you know it's a hefty contract that's probably going to be attached to a first round pick, but that is each a, a pick or a, uh, an example of trade asset. Trade acquisition would be like a, a Boyan Bogdanovich. Those like the the big um, rumors that or not say rumors, but like a big another creator for the Miami Heat, and I think they they'd need. Um, that's you know that's an example of like an uh, an acquisition. So trade assets, trade acquisition. So um, that's going to be the second episode today and the one episode tomorrow. And on Friday, the one episode that's not the big surprise for y'all, the one uh, episode I have for y'all is going to be my award for my basically my nine weeks. It's it's, bas- it's basically what I'm calling it. It's my uh my first my first nine week grade for the the uh for the season so far, and hopefully, it kind of holds up <laughs> because um I kind of are I got like most of them done already like. I'm gonna spoil a couple of them. Like for the Lakers, this season has been like a a, a C minus. They had a, they had a stretch going on where it's like, oh, they look like a really good basketball team, but then Anthony Davis got hurt again. Um, I'm I'm gonna try to not. I'm gonna make. I'm not gonna make jokes about the Anthony Davis thing because, like I said, we we called it in the off season, but like, I I, I hate I hate having to, to kick a man while he's down. So. By all means, like I said, Anthony Davis jokes completely out the window. But um, overall, this is just not a good team, and we're going. I have some trade assets and trade acquisitions for them. They're probably one of the two teams I think that had multiples for both. Um, we'll get to in the episodes, but like, um, what was I getting ready to say? Oh, um, but like I said, you know, the Lakers. I think it's like a C minus. But and here's the thing for me. I'm not grading off of pure performance. I'm grading based off of the expectation that was handed this season. Like, say, the Kings. The Kings, for me, hadn't, haven't had an A-plus season so far. Because the expectation was that they would probably be around 10th seed, maybe 11th. But currently sitting in the top five in the Western Conference, after just getting a win against the Pistons a couple of days ago, um, they look prime position to, to be in competition this year, and they are absolutely have proven each in every uh every facet that um that they they look to potentially be a contending team this year, um. Despite losing to the Hornets last night, of course. Um. Well, like I said, the game. Or <laughs> I do also have the. Um, I'm like, okay. Here's how do I want to do this? Cause I made an announcement on my um on the Instagram story that I'm taking a step back from game reviews. And when I say I'm taking a game back for, uh, a, a step back from game reviews, I mean like I'm not gonna review games anymore. Cause like that's like the main reason y'all are over here. Um, but. I don't want that to be the prime. It's like, all right. Here's what I'm. Here's what I'm. I'm having a conversation. I'm having a little bit of a, a mental grasp of myself. Game reviews are fun, in small doses. 
Like, for example, we mentioned earlier, the Charlotte Hornets and the Sacramento Kings. I can give you a game review there because, um, A, I actually watched the game, and B, it's a pretty extensive thing. Like, and same with the Bucks and the Pelicans, too. Honestly, most of the games from last night, I can give you game reviews on. Dallas and Minnesota, I can give you a game review on. Portland, OKC, I can give you a game review on. Um, what a, um, there was one more game that I watched uh, last night that I could probably give you a game. Oh, and uh, Raptors Sixers, I can also give you a game review. Um, the night before, Wizards Lakers, I would absolutely not. Honestly, most of the Sunday games, I probably wouldn't be able to give you a game review except for Brooklyn and Detroit. Um, in Orlando, Boston, I, I I can probably give you game reviews on those two. But but like the Timberwolves and the Bulls, which is unfortunate because it looks like the Timberwolves' best game this season. Unfortunately, I couldn't give you a game review for that. Um, Denver and Charlotte, I couldn't give you a game review for that. I could probably give you a, a guesstimate, but I'm not going to just talk out of my ass on this show because, you know, we're, we're not those type of people around here. But like overall, like, yes, I've been watching games. Yes, I've been st- – Jesus Christ. I just had a juice and <laughs> and it's stuck in my chest. So if I get an accidental burp or like a cough on this show, I throw up something, whatever, then uh, my bad. Um, but like, like I said, game like I've still been watching, I've still been studying games. It's just it's been a lot of of nothing in the last week that since I've uh, I've done a, a review of these games. Um. It also makes me think, like, damn, we haven't done an episode of this show since Sunday, which, if I'm not mistaken, oh, last Sunday, I should say, which I believe that episode actually was, well, it's originally a Saturday episode, but um, where we did um, the Spotify rap. So it's like, I haven't done a basketball show in almost two weeks, which, again, is my fault because a lot has happened in basketball in the last two weeks. Um, but yeah, that's like I said, that's totally one hundred and fifteen percent my fault. Um, that I I just haven't given y'all any I haven't given y'all any content in a week. Which again, that's totally on me about that. But um, finally we're gonna get into the news. God, um, the Phoenix Suns, the billionaire mortgage uh, lender Matt Ishbia, um, is finally uh, is finalizing a purchase of the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Mercury of the WNBA. Um, the deal expected to be completed in the near future within uh, the tumultuous tenure of owner Robert Sarver. Um, the deal is in the range of $4 billion. Okay. I'm trying not to get into the Robert Sarver um, part of this. I think it's cool that somebody finally bought the team from him. Um, thank God. but. I think this was, I felt this was, I wouldn't even say this is a reactionary move. I, I, I don't want to make this any, uh, any bit of that. Um, but I'm, I, I'm just hoping that this is a, like, just like, a, I hope it's a new focus around the franchise. Like if you are familiar with the, um, if you're familiar with uh, the Robert Sarver situation, not like outside of the the you know the obvious racism and sexism in the office, like 
he's a dick for that. But when it came to strictly the Phoenix Suns organization, um, it was it was heavy heavily implied that he didn't want to pay the tax, which was like the main reason of the Phoenix Suns not winning for uh, not basically not being in the position to win basketball games, which by all means, you know, that's his prerogative, that's his prerogative, but that kind of was like the direct cause of, you know, a tumultuous relationship with DeAndre Ayton, you know, Cam Johnson not getting an extension yet. Um, Hopefully he's back on the team next year. I would imagine he is back on the team next year because they have basically no other option. I think they're starting Torrey Craig these days. Um, in and out. Um, you know, it was interesting that you know Chris Paul got a deal, but Aiden couldn't get one, or Mikel Bridges got a deal. Which Mikel Bridges there and Chris Paul, you know, for the circumstances, are still really good players. But DeAndre Aiden was like the second cornerstone of this franchise, and you know. They didn't see him worth more than what fifteen to twenty million dollars. Which, if you look at DeAndre in the season, you would say that yeah, he. I'd say he, because twenty million dollars in the NBA isn't is really not a lot. Like Jared Allen might be what the fourth ish highest paid Cavalier, and is making roughly around that that dollar amount. Like Garland's going to make more next year. Mitchell's going to make more. Um, I believe Karis LeVert makes around that, maybe closer to like the 17-ish million dollar range. Um, Kevin Love is currently making that, um, more than that, which granted, you know, context. But overall, Jared Allen is a, is a really good player, really good center at $20 million. I think DeAndre Eaton is better than Mikel, is better than Jared Allen personally. Which makes me say, or makes me think, hmm, you know, I'll tell you, Aiden is worth, is worth more than 20. Is he worth the max? Currently, there are, what, three centers making, quote-unquote, max money? Um, and that's the top three. It's uh, Jokic, Embiid, and Cat. And Cat and Jokic are going to make even more ridiculous amount of money um, come next year. It's like super-duper max. Um, at this at this point, um, but there's a, a lot of centers that's making good money. Like Jonas Valanciunas is making good money right now. Brooke Lopez, I'd say, is making good money. Maybe a little bit undervalued when it comes to dollar amount, but I think that's mostly due to age. Um, they probably gave him that that four fifty two for age purposes, but I think he's actually been really really good um, in the Milwaukee system. Um, but then there's guys like Nikola Vucevic who's not really making or not playing uh, up up to par at that um what twenty four ish million dollars per year twenty six something like something in that ballpark um same with like Clint Capella I think he's making close to about eighteen million dollars but you know the production is kind of down and they're more focused on y- on Yaka Kangu anyway so it's like there's a a fine line of is this person worth it or not? And I think DeAndre Ayton is in that ballpark of, yeah, he's worth it, but you got to be tentative with him. Like you got to get your 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 dollar amount when it comes to like if you're gonna pay if you're gonna pay him max money, play him like he's max money. And so far this year, they've actually played him like max money. 
at the, at the cost of that, um, Chris Paul, before last night, he had a really good game last night. But uh, before that, or yeah, it was last night. Um, was it last night or two nights ago? I think it was two nights ago, actually, the, the Lakers game. Um, that he had the, the 28-point game. But either way, like, before the – oh, no, it was last night. Last night was a Lakers game. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm tripping, y'all. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm very – I'm tired. Again, like I said, this has been a long week, and I'm already ready to, to call it quits. But overall, like, he's been – like, before that, he's kind of been on the back burner. He's not really been the Chris Paul you expect. Um, probably a little bit worse than that, to be honest. Um, but either way, like you know, you're still getting good production out of Booker, obviously. Um, Adam McHale, when healthy, Cam Johnson, Aiton. Um, the bench is still rocky. Like it's been, it's improved. I'd say Cameron Payne has had a bounce back campaign. Um, mostly due to him actually being a starter for the vast majority of Chris Paul being out. Um, but overall, like the bench is still the the bench. It's the Phoenix Suns bench. You know what to expect. Um, I kind of wish that they would upgrade, specifically Eric Gordon. Like if they could find a three team trade to get Jay Crowder out of there and Eric Gordon in, by all means do it. But I really, really, really wish that uh this that they were going to that they would make a move. I don't know how we turned this into a basketball segment, but we 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 turned this into basketball somehow. But eighteen minutes into this show, um, I kind of wish that we would uh, get more clearance on what the future direction is with the purchase of the Suns. I know obviously this leads to uh, the the likely exit. I wouldn't say likely, the definite exit of um. Of Robert Sarver, but for sure, this could probably lead to a few different uh, procedures being different in the Phoenix Suns organization. Um, news that came out earlier this morning. Um, I was up, but I wasn't out. If you mean, if you know what I mean, like I was up, but I wasn't awake. Um. Orlando Magic Forward Shumo Kiki uh, underwent um, arthroscopic sh- uh, uh, procedure on his left knee and on Monday and is expected to be out at least a month. Um, seeing that at least a month reminds me of Anthony Davis, and I don't want to make Anthony I don't want to talk about Anthony Davis on the show. Um, best of luck. You know, get well soon on both, both accounts. But uh, I think that... I don't. This might be the end of Shumo Kiki in Orlando. If I'm being honest, he seems like one of those dudes that's likely going to be attached to um, a Gary Harris slash Mo Bamba trade whenever the inevitability of them being out of Orlando is. But like, I wouldn't be surprised if like he was an attachment to get, you know, just the like a roster space at this point. Because like I said, he hasn't really proved the whole. Like he had. The one uh, standout game where he was uh, locking up Luca, but outside of that, like he hasn't really shown a whole lot in what two is she three years in Orlando. So like yeah, like I think I think it's about time we we pull the plug on the Shumo Kiki experiment, which sucks, man, because I got his autograph, but you know 
there's is it's it's that. Um what's crazy is that in the last episode, um, I also got because I got DMs about this. It was like, oh, the streak continue. Um, this was uh, the, um, sad to see actually. Um, about maybe eight hours after we finally we hit uh, finish record on the last episode that we did, which was December eleventh. Um, the news came out about Paul Silas uh, passing away, and his. His son Steven, being you know being the coach of the Rockets, um, had a statement put out, and unfortunately, it was, it was sad to see, man, because like I said, I remember um, him being a he. I remember him being in a coach specifically in Charlotte. I also remember him being a coach in Cleveland around the two thousands era, I believe. Um, some uh, one of them was like uh. Like I think it was like in the start of LeBron James being in Cleveland, like the the first round. Um, it was unfortunate, man. Like I said, uh, prayers to the family. Um, my condolences to Seth, and uh, I hope this doesn't affect Steven Silas as a coach because, like I, said, I think genuinely, he was, um, he was a good coach, but also, like he was a good mentor to a lot of people. And, you know, I just hope, uh, I just hope, you know, like I said, they find, he find, or Steven finds comfort in, um, in coaching, you know, fulfilling his dad's legacy. And, you know, maybe, like I said, gives him his pops uh, something to be proud of. I don't know how we um, deviate from that, but news that also came out during my absence um, news that I found out on the spot, like when it happened, and I can't, I can't lie to you. I'll, I'll shed a little tear. So, Detroit Pistons guard Kate Cunningham uh, plans to have season-ending surgery on his left shin. By all means, like God, uh. Yeah. I don't want to talk about this. I, I, okay. I don't want to talk about this as a Pistons fan. Let's just say this. I, I don't want to talk this about this as a Pistons fan. I will talk about this 100% as a um, as an NBA uh, analyst, I guess you can say at this point. Um, purely non-biased. I think this is a good move long term for Detroit. Um, get him healthy, get him back for the next uh for the season next year. And just hope that this is the a one time little slip up and that this isn't a um this isn't a long term thing. Because this is not his first injury in the NBA. Like he missed the first couple of weeks of his um his rookie season due to ankle injuries. And like I said, the, the the lower extremities is a very, very, very tough thing to, to manage throughout your career, especially if you're young and you're more of an athletic specimen. Not that Kate Cunningham is, like, jumping out the gym, but, like, you know, he still has a heavy workload as a Detroit Pistons point guard and, on, and to be honest, the future of the franchise. So, like, genuinely, I'm hoping... 
for all of our sakes that this is just a precautionary thing and then that like this isn't like key to something bigger down the line because if this is then god like I, I don't i don't think i ever have another semblance of hope in detroit ever again because man like so th- it hasn't been the hottest start to um this rebuild you know just pure pure baseless when it comes to speculation like it has not been the best um i'm trying to think is there any other like major nothing really major has come out in the last uh week um potential returns from injuries um we've seen joe ingles um i'm a comeback i believe he came back last night actually um it was um and yes he did actually i just had to think about it um yes he did come back last night but also um we got somebody else came back recently i'm sorry when when I tell you my mind has been so jumbled up in the NBA community, it's I'm forgetting anything and everything that has happened. Um, was it okay? Anyways, we're gonna like so we're gonna, we're going to ignore. But oh, Gordon Hayward, that's what it was. I was like, why didn't I? Somebody else came back. I was like, who who was it? Gordon Hayward came back. Um, thank you to the brain for finally bringing that to memory. But um, and I guess. Tell me what the Charlotte Hornets, LaMelo Ball. Like, LaMelo Ball had, uh, has come back since the last time we recorded. I'm telling you, it's been so long since we've done the show. It's ridiculous. I'm sorry for being out this long and being this uh, washed up, <laughs> I guess you could say, um, a more a washed up podcast. I haven't done this in a week and a half. But happy that the Charlotte Hornets are getting healthy. And this is going to cost the Charlotte Hornets a lot more than they realize. Gordon Hayward coming back, and they win their first game with him back. Um, yeah, this is <laughs> this is the team that's trying to um, be uh, play like a playoff contender. They're not a playoff contender. They're not a play-in contender right now. They're the third or 14th seed in the East. Um, that the Orlando Magic are basically on a seven-game win streak. Actually, no, they just snapped it last. It just got snapped last night to Atlanta. My bad. Um, but uh, on a serious note, they're still like a dog shit team. <laughs> like they're this is a team that's not anywhere near um contending. So I don't see the the point in them even trying to pretend like you know uh, competition or contending is the the move when in reality it absolutely is not. Um, I still want to see where they go from here though with uh with future moves, whether it's Gordon Hayward being packaged in a trade, you know, maybe Terry Rozier is the odd man out, Kelly Oubre, since he's, his value is probably at an all-time high at this point. Um, P.J. Washington, he's at the end of his deal this year, and kind of looks like they probably won't bring him back. They got a little bit of, of a decision there um, between him and Jalen McDaniels because they kind of play the same, but Jalen McDaniels will cost a little cheaper, and I think he's honestly more valuable long-term. But they they absolutely have a lot to consider. This hope that um hopefully that like I said they get a top pick and they can work with it because 
they're kind of they're kind of resting their their. It's kind of in their hands at this point. Like it's it's you know bigger bigger bust at this point. Um, but since you want to talk about the Orlando Magic, um, or we was talking about the Orlando Magic and win streaks, the New York Knicks are a good team again. Um, something that I kind of called at the beginning of the season. Um, I'd say that this team would be improved, but they'd probably still be around the sixth, seventh, eighth seed. Um, I said that was like their max potential, and it's kind of where they are now. Um, they're currently the seventh seed out west. What? Six seed out east. God. Um, I told you I need sleep. Seven seed out west at the Portland Trailblazers. We have the exact almost the exact same record. So maybe, maybe um <laughs> I wouldn't be too far off there. But um they've kind of taken the place of the Indiana Pacers, who had a hot start but are on like a couple uh have lost uh, a decent amount uh recently. And so now that they're um <laughs> they're you know with ninth seed, I think that's kind of where uh where we get um the final uh the the actual rebuild of the Indiana Pacers because like I said they got pieces but they don't have enough to be better than the top eight currently in the East or a team that we'll get into now the Toronto Raptors who are currently on a six game losing streak um this is product of two things number one they can never get a healthy full-time roster together whenever Fred was out he came back but then Pascal went out um Scotty missed a game or two then um who was um but Juancho Hernan Gomez ended up in the starting lineup um Gary Trent Jr that's what it was was Gary Trent Jr went out with injury like the Raptors can never for the life of them stay healthy and when they could they couldn't get two consistent performances. I specifically looking at Fred Van Vliet. Um, low, not, not even low key, highest, um, high key, the worst performance or worst season of him as a starter in the NBA. Um, Full time starter, I should put it, uh, put it that way. Um, if we just look basically at the numbers and then I'll give you eye tests um, to back this up. Field goals made. Or sorry, yeah, field goals made second lowest since becoming a full-time starter. Field goal percentage lowest since becoming a full-time starter. Effective field goal percentage lowest um, since becoming a full full-time starter. Um, true shooting percentage lowest since becoming a full-time starter. Three-point percentage lowest since becoming a full-time starter. Starter and lowest second lowest since his um, since he's been in the NBA, which um, was back in 2016-17, which he only plays seven minutes a game, 37 games in total. Only took three shots, not even one three-pointer a game. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. So, since since becoming a regular rotation player in the NBA, lowest three-point percentage. Free throw percentage. Second, or sorry, third lowest since becoming a, a full-time NBA player. A The, the rebounding. Sec, or second lowest, or sorry. Yeah, second lowest since becoming a starter in the NBA. Assists. Second lowest since becoming a regular rotation player in the NBA. Steals. Lowest since becoming a full-time starter. Blocks, which, you know, he's a point guard, so whatever. Um, sec- or was tied for second most, which, improvement. He's, you know, getting in there, nitty-gritty in the paint. I understand that. Um, and scoring, overall, second lowest since becoming a full-time starter. Lowest since becoming a, point, a starting point guard in the NBA. 
I'm just saying the numbers are there to back it up, but the eye test is there too. The eye test is him forcing shots. And again, I think, and I'm not even going to say this is injury um, related. Like if this is an Isaiah Thomas situation, you know, maybe we could back the numbers up there. But this is affecting Scotty Barnes' play, which Scotty Barnes admittedly does not look like the same player. He kind of looks lost out there. And again, some of it might be his fault. Most of it is not because the Raptors have they the Raptors are the product of we play one way and we're gonna to stick to that one way win or lose. Which again in one piece of the puzzle I love because like don't ever change up the um even if it even if it doesn't work, find adjustments to make it work. But with the Toronto Raptors, they refuse to find adjustments to make it work. And they're way, way too deep at this point into the everybody on this team not named Fred Van Vliet has to be a 6'8 defender. And that's not going to be, like, like, admittedly, I'd like for that to be successful. But the way that the Raptors play, where it's like nobody outside of maybe OG Ananobi can shoot the basketball from three consistently, at least in this current rotation with Gary Trent Jr. being out. Um, Pascal Siakam, not a, a consistent enough shooter to be doing that. Fred Vliet this season, I just read you the numbers. There, he's basically having the worst shooting year of his career. Chris Boucher has dropped off significantly since he's been, um, since uh, two years ago, where he was actually a competent role player on this team. Kim Birch, he's a center. Next. Malachi Flynn, is probably getting the most inconsistent playing time um, of anybody on this roster. And I believe it was, was it Nick Nurse that said it was like, oh, he's very much um, he he's getting what was the what was the verbiage that he used? It was like. Um, I got to find this the statement now, but, but basically he was saying like, oh, it's just, you know, we haven't we can't find enough space for him in the rotation. And then magically now all of a sudden he's getting 20 minutes again. Like, come on. If you don't know how to use the man, send him to a team that knows how to use the man. Like, it, honest to God, that's simple. Like, don't keep him hostage, essentially. Because, yes, this is keeping him hostage. Don't keep him hostage if you don't have any plans of using him. And that's basically what I'm saying. Um, Daddy's Young is getting current, currently getting PT on this team. Um, they got Josh Jackson that's waiting in the wings. Uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez is currently starting for them. Um, in the absence of, um, of Gary Trent Jr. So like, take that with a grain of salt. But like, the Raptors have, they have in a. Do I want to call it an identity? I guess you could say they have a quote unquote identity, but they don't have the personnel. I think that's conducive to winning. When I say winning, I mean, you know being at bare minimum in the play-in spot. Like, I, I want them to at least be an eighth, seventh seed. That's kind of where I predicted them to be this year. But this team, I said would be the odd man out if we don't take a, see a jump from uh, from Scotty Barnes. We haven't seen a jump from Scotty Barnes. And the only team that um, I said would be better than that they ended up being better than so far is the Chicago Bulls, which the Chicago Bulls are dealing with their own thing right now. So. Um, we'll, we'll get to that when we get to them. Um, 
but I'm just genuinely not seeing a, a, a whole lot of a Fred Van Vliet contribution um, that to my liking, especially when it comes to just like him. It sucks that he's trying to be a playmaker when he is not a playmaker. And or sorry, he's trying to be a shooter when he needs to be a playmaker, and he's not trying to be a playmaker when um when honestly they need it most. Because Scotty, Scotty can't playmake specifically because he has nothing to playmake to. Pascal Siakam is essentially an ISO score at this point. Um Fred Van Vliet is an ISO ISO scorer, and no nobody else on this team can shoot the basketball. Again, OG, maybe OG Ananobi, but even then, OG Ananobi needs the touches to uh prove that maybe he can shoot it from out there. But right now it's it's just not like nobody is an above average three point shooter on this team. Above average is what 35-ish percent. Not a single Raptor outside of maybe Gary Trent Jr. Jr. can shoot 35% from three. And maybe Pascal Siakam. But even then, Pascal is getting his own shots. Like you're not gonna spot Pascal up in the corner to shoot threes. Where do the Raptors go from here? I'm not and trading for a six eight dude that can shoot might work, but outside of baby Boyan Bogdanovich, where are you gonna find those? The Raptors, the the Pistons aren't taking Thaddeus Young for Boyan Bogdanovich, so the Lakers are probably gonna call for Russell Westbrook. Do you think they're going? The Raptors are gonna get Thaddeus Young in the first round pick for for Boyan Bogdanovich? Probably not. Like I said, something, something's got to give in Toronto because Fred, Fred, Fred Van Vliet, I'm not going to put all the blame on him, but he's definitely one of the reasons why this team is the way that they are. Um, I'm pretty sure that best basically uh, rocks the coverage. I'm, I know, like I said, we kind of ended off on a rant. We pick one team every year to basically go on a rant uh, about um, the off season last year, it was, and even in the regular season too, when you think about it, the Portland Trailblazers, they've amounted to fix this roster somehow, and they're a good basketball team again. They're like top three in the West, um, well at least were top three in the West. I think now they're like six seed, um, but ma- managed to fix this roster somehow, and still look competent among all the juggernauts in the West. Honestly, now that I'm that when you look at the standings in the West, first to last is only like ten games. That's crazy to me. Like, imagine how bad the Rockets have been, um, and how like dominant some of the teams like Memphis and New Orleans have been recently. It's like no, there's zero parity out west. But then you look at the East, and it's like first to fifteen is like fifteen games basically. Like, and even like first to um, 11 is like 10 and a half games. So basically, all right. So if I look at the worst team in the West, which is Houston Rockets, they're nine and 21. They would be, and they'd be 13. So maybe not it, but then again, they'd only be a game back of 12 seed and only a game and a half back of the, um, the 10th seeded Raptors. So it's like, you know, they like, it's not that, you know, much parody or not my, like, like I think the the West has been a lot more balanced. The East has its very clear juggernaut teams. It's the top three, maybe even top four if you include Brooklyn in there. Um, Philly, I still haven't seen all like the three 
the the Embiid Harden Maxi trio come to coexist, despite Embiid and Harden coexisting currently. Adding Tyrese Maxi in there, I don't know how much, um, how much we're going to see yet of this uh of this trio. But they did get a good, a pretty good win on Friday against the Warriors that I did see. Um, that was an excellent team win with Joel Embiid and Harden obviously being the stars, but excellent contributions from D'Anthony Melton, from PJ Tucker. It was great seeing a Matisse Thybulle signing for the first time in forever. Um, Shake Milton. Um, even George Niang, I thought offensively and defensively was really, really good. And since we're talking about the West and parody, um, Steph Curry got injured since the last time we've seen him, um, in the Indiana game. Um, I think it was the game before Philly. Um, and it does not, it does not look good. I'll say that like the Warriors are already like in there in this. And again, I say this, they're only five games out from the number one seed, but as more parity begins to um, come forth in the Western Conference and, you know, you not having your star player kind of hurts um, long-term, kind of hurts. Like I said, they got a good win against the Raptors, mostly because the Raptors, we just detailed the Raptors. Um, but they got the Knicks tonight who are hot, the Nets who's hot, the Grizzlies who's hot um, on Christmas. They got the Hornets who just got a good win and, and they're healthy again. Um, the Jazz, who was still a pretty good, solid team out west. Same with Portland. Um, Atlanta, they've been winning recently. And like I said, that and that takes us to January, which I believe is around the time where Steph Curry is going to be coming back. And then he'll they'll have Detroit, Orlando, San Antonio, Chicago, Washington. So maybe like in that stretch, that's where you're going to get like Steph Curry games. Where it's like, oh yes, this is the Steph Curry that. Um, we're used to seeing and that, like, you know, or, um, and basically, like, that's going to be, like, his tune-up games before he goes back and plays Brooklyn again, a Memphis, a Boston, a Cleveland, um, even OKC, who was, like, granted, like, OKC isn't, you know, that team, like, that, that they were at the beginning of the season, but, like, Shane Gilders Alexander still got that pop off of 40 and get you a two-point win, um, Against the Timberwolves, which speaking of the Timberwolves, we're good with the transitions today. Um, I posted an episode of about a month ago at this point of the Orlando Magic and I believe the Detroit Pistons being two teams. Though ironically, the two teams that have figured out Luka Doncic the most. I found the player that figured out Luka Doncic the most is Jaden McDaniels. Um, Jaden McDaniels is actually my most improved player. I'm um, going into the season, and even though offensively he hasn't showed uh the most improved player tag that I thought um he would. Honestly, Anthony Edwards look you looking like it too. And appreciate you for giving me another dub in fantasy this week, Uncle Ant. But I say Uncle Ant, he's only like a year older than me. <laughs> but um, on a serious note, Jaden McDaniels I think has probably been. Best individual defender on Kevin Durant, or sorry, on Kevin Durant, look, um, on Luka Doncic this season, um, biasly I'd say Killian Hayes, but um, Jaden McDaniels unbiasedly probably has been the best defender on Kevin on. I keep saying Kevin Durant for some reason, um, on uh, Luka Doncic, and it's down to two things. One, he's forcing Luka Doncic to go right, which Luka Doncic. 
If you watch Luka Doncic play, he plays so awkward. It's like he's right-handed with we'll go or that likes to go left, kind of like me in a way. Not so, okay. <laughs> I'm not comparing myself to Luka Doncic in any way, by the way. But I'm just saying that's the way I like to play. I love playing off balance, and when I play off balance, I'm usually right going to my left. So, or left going if I want to go left, like use my left, then I'll go right. I'm the, I'm that kind of player. But um, with Luka Doncic, he likes to go left. He made sure that Luka Doncic went right. And the, even the shots that Luka took going left were not typical Luka Doncic shots. And it got Luka Doncic frustrated. And eventually, you know, he got kind of got booted. Um, but also with the Timberwolves. And this was kind of why I said this team would be, you know, one of the better teams out west was because um, the depth. Like, this is probably the deepest Timberwolves team that we had in a while. They, they got, um, for a while, they had no D'Angelo Russell, but now they got no Conthony Towns, which we've talked about since uh, the injury. Um, Rudy Go- no Rudy Gobert. Um, the bench is kind of, of shallow. They're playing, like, the, the two-way guys, like Luka, Dar- uh, Luka, Gan- Luka Garza. Jesus. Um, Josh Minow, Matt Ryan, uh, Wendell Moore. Like they're like those same kind of guys that's getting PT at this point. Um, basically ran like a six man rotation with the starters and Jalen Noel, but um, like Nas Reed has been the biggest beneficiary of the two bigs going out because now that he gets to the hop in the starting lineup and he's a lot more versatile than I think of Rudy Gobert's and a lot um, I think more d- built d- like you know bigger bodied. And Carl Anthony Towns, so he can he can he can step out on the perimeter, but can also go to the paint. And I think that's what's been the key to the Timberwolves being like a much much better team without the two uh, two big juggernauts, because they got the the win in uh in OKC where uh, Nas Reed had twenty seven uh, twenty eight I believe, um they got the win in Chicago. Where uh, he had a, a really good uh, a game, a really good game there too. Admittedly, didn't watch, but you know you can assume he had a great impact in that game too. In the, in the minutes that he played, um, but in that uh, in Dallas last night specifically because Dallas does not have a big man that can play defense worth anything. Shout out to Christian Wood and Davis Bertans. Um, that was kind of like the big, um, the big key point where it's like. Yeah, he's in the, probably a little shorter for center position, but his skill in bigger frame, you know, muscle muscle wise, kind of make up for the fact that he's not, you know, the most physically imposing center height wise. So it's like I think that that works well with a team like the Dallas Mavericks or the OKC Thunder who don't have a defensive big, especially with OKC not having Chet Holmgren. Of, not having a defensive center at all in the rotation kind of uh, is to your benefit. Um, even in Chicago, don't really have a, a defensive center um, either. I think their next game is – God, um, look real quick. Next game is Boston. Or, well, they got another game against Dallas tomorrow, Wednesday. But then they have Boston on Friday and then Miami and New Orleans – Okay, they got a, a good stretch of defensive bigs. They got Boston, Al Horford, and Robert Williams is back now, which we get to talk about. <laughs> um, not really because he hasn't played a whole lot. But um, Miami with Bam Adebayo, Milwaukee with Brook Lopez and Giannis Antetokounmpo, New Orleans with Larry Nance Jr. 
um, in Zion, I guess you can say is better now. Detroit with uh, Zay Stewart and Jalen Duran. Denver doesn't really have a defensive big, so maybe. But then again, I, I could I would expect Rudy Gobert to be back at that point. Um, so maybe not um as much of a um maybe not much of a um a Nazari game as much of a as a Rudy Gobert game. But uh, Portland. They don't really have that guy. The Clippers, Zubox isn't bad, but he's more of a paint protector anyways. Um, and then, like I said, he gets to go on his run of not really playing um, elite-level defensive big men. So maybe, like I said, we might get a couple Nasri games off the bench. But overall, like I said, him as a starter so far has been really good, and hopefully that can continue on, um, either whether as a starter or coming off the bench. Because, you know, besides Russell Westbrook, I think there's he can have a, a good run as a six-man-of-the-year candidate. Um, personally. Personally, I think he can. Um, I think now, I think we can probably call it the end of the episode there. Um, if you missed the previous episode of the Zaycom podcast, which is a long time ago, but still, um, pretty nose, newsworthy. Pretty noteworthy, a pretty uh, awesome episode nonetheless. You can check them out on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, on Amazon Prime, Amazon Music, and of course, right here on the sponsor for today, Anchor. Until next time, I love you. You love me. Let's love each other. My brothers, I'll be back later. Goodbye.